Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest we are gonna call Kelly. For reasons that you will learn, we did not want to use her name or any of her family members' name. Kelly is a survivor of fidelity, infidelity, financial infidelity. She shares her story and her journey of what it's like to be the person that finds out that your spouse or significant other is hiding things from you, even when you've asked questions. I think when you listen to Kelly's story, you will find that we all could do and be exactly like Kelly. So sit on back, grab your favorite beverage, and don't miss this story. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show. And for those of you that listened to the intro, Kelly is in air quotes. Um, So before we get into your journey, which I think every person needs to hear what it was like for you to get to the point you are today over the last few years, especially, but on a much lighter note, let's chat for just a few moments about what your favorite wine is. If you have one, that's a good question. I don't actually drink very much wine, but I have a friend Um, who gave a good recommendation. And she said North Country Red from Thousand Island Winery. Mm -hmm. Um, But she said it's also sold locally, but she lives in the Vestal area. So I was trying to research online if it's sold around here and I couldn't figure it out, but um, it was like... From the Thousand Islands. Well, if I happen to get up to the Adirondacks this year, which we usually do once a year in the fall, I'll have to explore that because... I've not heard of that one um, at all. Uh, And if we can get it locally, even better, right? (laughs) And probably if you wanted to get it locally, you could request your local liquor store or wine shop or whatever to to get you some. So for people trying to um, explore outside of the Finger Lakes area, this is a great recommendation. Uh, Brent and I actually are going to be seeing some friends this evening. And we've been on a kick with Vice Winery off from Cuca Lake. We've they're sort of our wine of the month. And we have a Cab Franc set aside from them (laughs) that we are going to enjoy tonight. So we're both talking reds here. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I want to spend most of the time that we have together today really focused on your journey. Uh, for anybody, when they hear your story and they hear your journey, uh, I think there's going to be some jaws dropping and some perhaps some recording uh, or re-listening, I should say, rewinding of what you said. So um, tell us a little bit about basically, I mean, share your formation, right? So you can go back as far as you want or start wherever you want, but take us through at least the beginning of your journey. Okay. Um, Well, I grew up in a loving family. Um, We didn't have a ton of money, um, but I didn't really realize that we had what we needed. And I learned to be grateful for things at a young age. Um, Name brand cereal was never taken for granted. (laughs) (laughs) And um, because of my parents, I grew up thinking you bought things you could pay for. You didn't live beyond your means. And I wouldn't understand that terminology or the thinking behind it until I was older. Um, But it just made sense to me to save for what you wanted. Um, I was super cheap in college, (laughs) embarrassingly so. Um, when I was student taught, well, you, can we use the word thrifty? <laughs> yeah, I like that better, but I'm a little embarrassed of how cheap I was. Um, uh, so there were three girls um, that we student taught together and we went to Aldi and got groceries and I would want it to be like split to the penny. And so there's times I wish I was had a little more of a generous heart back then, but I just didn't have much to spare. And I uh, so I lived on little. Um, I worked really hard throughout college. Um, I lived off campus and I cleaned for a lady. Um, and that was my rent. And that saved me from paying for room and board. Um, I worked at the school cafeteria, which would give me a free um, dinner if I worked dinners <laughs> and um, I did babysitting on the side. So that's like a picture of this is the person that I was. <laughs> I love that you figured out a way to get your meals paid for <laughs> and your rent paid for. <laughs> that's true. I didn't even think it fully like that, but you're right. <laughs> so um, then I married a year out of college and um, I still didn't fully understand finances or the real world all that well. I realized more recently that I'm much more capable than I gave myself credit for back then. Um, But so this is where we'll get into the thicker part of my journey. Yeah, I think I want to take a pause for a moment there because you mentioned that, you know, you you didn't realize a lot about finances and it's not I and I say this as often as I can. But finances are not something we're intrinsically born to understand, right? For some pre- for some reason, there's this belief that I should know finances and I'm dumb if I don't. And I don't believe that's true. We, we are born into this world to know how to breathe. Uh, we need food, you know. Um, we kind of naturally know how to eat, quote unquote, right? As a baby, you know how to nurse, right? But other than that, we're really not born knowing anything else. And so I like to take the stigma out of the sense that everybody should know finances. It's about a learned skill. And what you're about to get into uh, was a learned skill for you in a very hard way. So share what happened to you as you started to have children and what happened within the relationship that you were in. Yeah. Okay. Um, So throughout our marriage, um, 
my husband was always the one that took care of the mail. So he, we had PO boxes at times, and then we had a mailbox at times, and he just always took care of the mail. Um, he, this will come into the story of why that's important eventually, but um, that was just something that happened. Um, I actually do enjoy budgeting and stretching a dollar, as I'm sure is not a surprise. Um, so I would try to get involved with our finances, um, but it was often mentioned um, met with tension or with vague details um, to make me think I was getting more involved. Um, to my knowledge, we shared one bank account, um, had one savings account that was um, related to a job that he had had um, and accumulated greater interest is what I was told. And um, we had one credit card that was used. It was kept just in case of emergencies. Um, and this is kind of how my family did things too. So I, I just assumed that's what we were doing as well. Um, I had some college loans from undergrad um, that we were paying off and he did as well. So this was what I knew of our finances. Mm -hmm. um, fast forward nine years and my world came crashing down um, with a summons at the door for a lawsuit for unpaid medical bills that were in my name. I called about this and found out that it was for the birth of my older child, who was four at the time. I was in shock, um, but thoroughly believed that this was just the kick that we needed to get more involved, to get me more involved in the finances as I longed to be, mm -hmm. and that it would eventually make our marriage stronger. I made a big checklist of ways we could cut costs, ways I could get more involved with things. And in there, I added doing a credit report, which I had never done before. Um, but my mom advised me to do this to make sure there wasn't anything else that was hidden from me. Mm -hmm. In my heart, I truly believed that this would not be the case, um, but I did take her advice. So two days later, we sat down to do that credit report. And when I did, I found out there were multiple credit cards in my name and my credit score was unimaginably low. Um, I had never applied for a credit card, which might seem silly or shocking or unrealistic, but it's true. I really, I thought we, we, we used our bank card and we paid for what we needed um, and paid for what we had. Um, I knew he had the one for emergencies, but I didn't use it. And I didn't think that he did either. Um, I realized that he had committed what is called financial infidelity where a spouse does things without your knowledge financially. It matches the feelings of actual infidelity because mm -hmm. um, what you once thought was the most trusting relationship where you could and should be the most vulnerable, um, it now felt like I was exposed in an impure way and I was taken advantage of. You also feel betrayed on a deep level. And this was beyond just doing things without telling me, um, but this was actually fraudulently doing things without telling me and using my name and social security number without my permission for his gain. Um, I later discovered bins of mail in a, a, one of the bays of our garage was detached from the other two. And to my knowledge, it just had some tools in it and it, that store was kind of broken and tarped up. So I just didn't go in there. My dad had come um, and was just going to fill a pothole um, that was in our driveway. And he was just looking for a wheelbarrow when he opened it and saw multiple bins of mail and most of it was addressed to me. So this is how the pieces began coming together of what he'd done and how I didn't know about this all until now. And in there were more discoveries of bank accounts he had put in my name. He had written um, fake checks to me and then um, got the money out. So it was a negative that my account was in. So this is, I learned, is called check kiting. And then he had even taken out loans um, on my retirement. 
So to pause for just a second, Kelly, um, you mentioned you mentioned in infidelity, financial infidelity. Um, I, I can't imagine what that felt like the moment that you realized that when I think about like when I relate it to a vineyard, right? And I think of somebody planting a vineyard, it, it must have just ripped the vineyard right out. It just ripped the roots right out from their their location at that point in time. Exactly. Um, when you first got that knock on the door and started to explore like what was going on, I'm guessing that you wanted to believe the best. Yeah. You know, that there must be a mistake. This, this, this can't be true. This, this didn't happen. Like, so when was that point of realization of, oh, this is true. And now I've got to figure out how we're going to fix this. Right. Yes. Where, how far did it go? And where, where, what were some of the signs? I think I want to ask, that's the question. What were some of the signs that started to become glaringly evident that there was a problem. Yes. Um, honestly, looking back, there are many more signs than I realized. Um, but in the in when it actually happened, it was a span of a week from the knock on the door mm-hmm. to moving in with my parents for what I thought would be a, a couple of weeks to figure this out. Um, and then it became, we can't move back in with this person that I don't know mm-hmm. because... Um, it was just um, very clear that um, what I had discovered, what the summons brought upon the upon doing the credit report, these were all things I was discovering. Nothing was come. Nothing came to me as a confession. As mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that's happened. I did this. It was all me finding out things, and then um, even with that, there was some still trying to cover tracks um, that savings account that he had with his, um, company, um, or with, you know, the, the company he worked with the savings account through that. Um, I had asked him to get that money out for us to use, to pay for this. And we were going to put it into a a bank account I could get Mm -hmm. involved in. Mm -hmm. So, um, fast forward, um, we get that, um, money and, um, I opened the credit report and I realized, oh my, oh my goodness, like everything I thought was real is now not real. Mm-hmm. Like it was the strangest call to call that the lady in charge of the summons and she was trying to get me to nail down a payment I could make. And I was just, my head spinning thinking, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we don't have, we not only have nothing, we have negative mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this sickening feeling of like, I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was, it was awful. And um, so as I'm opening the credit report though, I, I said that that money's not ours. Is it like, I knew that there's no way we have this amount of money. If there's th- this many credit cards not paid in my name. And he then confessed that he had taken out another loan to try and pretend it was our savings account. So it was just realizing, okay, this isn't somebody coming and saying, I, I messed up. Um, this is somebody still trying to cover up. And I, I've explained this situation as it's trying, you're trying to put a puzzle together where you don't know what the puzzle is supposed to look like and you're missing dozens of pieces. Mm-hmm. So I, it was, I had to then thank God for my family. Thank God for you. Um, I had to piece together all 
these pieces of mail that we found in the credit report and try to put together. I didn't even know what the card numbers were or what the account numbers Mm -hmm. were. So the credit report would have the first numbers, the mail would have the last four numbers. So I'd have to piece even that part together. Mm -hmm. And um, sorry, but I kind of got off track, but some signs looking back um, that I would just I want people to hear this so that you can be aware. And I don't wish for people to be paranoid. If, mm-hmm. if you're in a marriage that one person is more in charge, I realize that's more typical. And as I talk with people and I would feel so embarrassed, I did not know this information was happening. There were so many people that would say, well, my wife or my husband is fully in charge. Mm-hmm. And so I understand that in a normal, healthy relationship, people share the, share the, um, burden really of different things. You know, some people do more of the house stuff, mm-hmm. some people do more of the finances and that is normal. But I also want it to be heard that it's so important that both are involved in the finances, not just one, um, because it can be, lead somebody to be taken advantage of. Um, so in in retrospect, some signs are him getting being the only one getting the mail. Um, it, he always just made it seem it was more convenient. Um, it was just him being chivalrous. Mm-hmm. And um, as times I would think it was a little strange, but I just kind of sh- shrugged that off and think, no, he's just being nice. And he also did work for the post office. And so um, later on in our marriage, so I definitely didn't think that he would be doing these mm-hmm. things. I, I, it didn't even cross my mind that he was hiding mail from me. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing he would do is when we were in a store together, when it came time to check out, he would often say like, I could just take the kids out and get them in the car or I could, um, or he, he often would get me something that was a surprise that he didn't want me to see that was in the cart. And so he would check out without me. And I later realized that this was because he would be using a card that was not our bank card, which would have given me suspicions. Um, He told me that the ATM where our savings account was didn't print receipts. And I was very confused by this. Um, And I realized like there are so many things I wish I could like go back and like, oh, question him more uh, on these things. But he also, oh, sorry, I'll finish that thought. But um, he would come up with some stories. I can't even remember them all of why I, I couldn't get online to see the account and I would give him my summer checks um, and I was a te- I'm a teacher. And um, so I would give him those summer checks that were the equivalent of like four or five paychecks. And I think he was just putting them into this savings account. And that was not true. And um, so also the realization, like a lot of my friends were so ready for that first paycheck to happen again in the fall. And I would, I would wonder how are we doing? Okay. Like we put all of mine into savings and we're doing okay. And so those questions I should have explored more instead of just thinking, wow, I guess we're like really, really good with money. And so, um, well, I take a pause there for a minute because you also were very thrifty so when you say that you look at that and say, well, must be work good at money. I mean, you spent time making sure that you were preparing mass meals yes. and buying in, you know, bulk to keep costs low and, you know, scrimping here and scrimping there. So 
people that do that often celebrate the fact that they're not, it's true. you know, that they're not um, waiting for that first paycheck when they go back to teaching because they've, they've stretched that dollar further because of the actions. They weren't going out to eat a lot. Right. You know, they were passing clothes down or shopping at um, thrift stores, which I personally love, but, but you know, that, you know, I just want to put in perspective because there was an awful lot of should on you. There is what I call it. Don't should on yourself. You know, um, but but the fact of the matter is, you could look at that situation and say, well, we're doing okay because we have two incomes normally, and when I'm you know when I'm home. Not paying for daycare and you right. know all those kinds of things. Well, yeah, sure, our money can stretch further because I'm doing everything I can to make sure that money does stretch further. So that wouldn't necessarily, in my opinion, that wouldn't necessarily be an indicator, That's you know, true. for for the situation that that yeah. happened to you. But your point about making sure that everybody is involved, at least in the conversation for the clients that I work with, we once a year suggest that they pull their credit report, both of them. That's great. And that's one of the things that I think, I mean, again, not everybody knows that. And that's why we're having this conversation, right? Not everybody knows that that's something that they should do. And if you had known that early on, that could have been a roadblock to this situation, right? right? So I I wanted to pause there for a second because um, I just, I heard a lot of shoulda, shoulda, shoulda. And the fact of the matter is it's not uncommon for one person in the household to be a primary person that deals with the finances. It's not uncommon at all. I I don't have any clients where it's 50-50 on that responsibility. So the point of you sharing a lot of what you went through is to, is to say, if you start to see some of these signs, you don't need to be like exactly. crazy obsessive about <laughs> exactly. it, but maybe just ask a little more, exactly. like, what do you mean the receipt doesn't print at this ATM? I think I'll call and find out. Exactly. Um, what do you, what do you mean you're getting me? No, no, no. We don't need a special treat. You know, let, let, why don't I, why don't I take care of it? You yes. know, those kinds of things that, and if there's odd behavior, yes. then start to take it. Yes. So I guess continue on from there. Uh, are there other lessons that you, you know, if you were standing up in front of a group of of couples and you were talking about um, ways to strengthen your marriage around yeah. finances so that uh, this doesn't happen. And, and again, I'm a trust, but verify person, you know, I'm always like, I trust you, honey, but sometimes I just have to hear it for myself, you know? Right. Um, and that's nothing against anybody. Right. I do that like for everybody. So it's not like a spouse thing or a coworker thing. It's just, there might be a question that I would ask that that person isn't asking yes. that would give me the answer. Yeah. Um, so are there other suggestions that you have, or is there anything else that you look back and say those were signs or is that pretty much? Um, I um, also, I guess, um, sorry. Okay. Um, this is very emotional. I, I would, was like trained to trust him. Mm-hmm. And so um, these things that I would question, 
and and very much do now see as like clear things. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But there was so much that he, he would make me feel guilty if I didn't trust him or if I would question him on things. And so I would, um, I really, I don't like confrontation. I don't like, um, I like peace. I Mm -hmm. like, I do not like anyone upset with me. Mm -hmm. And so I feel really um, back to that feeling of betrayal. It was like all these things about the person that I am were used against me. So Mm -hmm. I don't like confrontation. So he, he didn't have to abuse me physically and he did not. Mm-hmm. But he could just say certain things and I would in, essentially cower down mm-hmm. and, and feel bad. And I've learned that th- this is emotional abuse. This is psychological abuse mm-hmm. um, that I didn't have. I didn't know. I thought we were in a pretty healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, there was, I mean, every marriage I'm sure has its things, but, mm-hmm. and we did, but it, it didn't, I never thought we were like, mm-hmm. uh, there was anything really wrong. Mm-hmm. And so it's even harder to now be making sense of what abuse was happening when I didn't even know it was, it was happening. Abuse, yeah. Exactly. You mentioned that you've now learned that, um, what, what has helped you learn or identify those kinds of things? Um, counseling at, at the front end was really helpful. Um, I had a great counselor when I lived with my parents and she really helped open my eyes. And And one of the quotes um, was that um, subtle psychological abuse is more harmful than overt psychological abuse or even physical abuse because you, you it's so hard to make sense of. And you can't see it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You and you can't like it can be talked out of. And that's another term I learned was gaslighting. And that's when, when you can have a conversation or an argument and you remember what was said. And, and when you go back to talk about it, your reality is distorted. No, I didn't say that. I didn't mean this. I meant it this way. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, that really happened. And I didn't know that term. I didn't mm-hmm. know what that was happening. So I guess just if you're feeling um, like a gut feeling, and I did have times there, there was this gut feeling that something is not quite right, um, but I, I could push it out. You know, I could push that out. And so um, another, sorry, I, I'm kind of going back and forth between questions, but Perfect. another thing, thank you, that was really helpful was this book called Healing from Hidden Abuse. And um, the subtitle is A Journey Through the Stages of Recovery from Psychological Abuse by Shannon Thompson, Thomas, sorry, Thomas. Um, And that was really eye opening. I underlined so much of that book. It was like, oh, my goodness, like this is this is Mm -hmm. real. You Mm -hmm. know, it wasn't me making things up in my mind that um, of what happened to me. It was like like storybook what happened. And so that was really helpful because it also gives you steps on what to be aware of and what Mm -hmm. to kind of guard yourself for. And I really am a person that like likes to think the best of people. Mm-hmm. And and um, I know there's like bad stuff in the world, but I kind of like to shield from that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm in this bubble of it's all going to be okay. And um, so this was just helpful that I don't want to um, become this person that's like paranoid with mm-hmm. every person that I come in contact with from here on out. Um, and thinking that everyone's got those intentions, but I also can't live so naive. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. With a couple of kids, um, you want to make sure that you, that they don't grow up with that kind of insecurity around it as well. Yes. Um, you know, money, money has emotion, Yeah, uh, huge emotion. And what you went through was uh, being dropped from uh, the top of a building, you know, basically to the ground. 
uh, in a very short period of time. It wasn't a fun ride to be on. Um, How did, how have you started to retrust yourself around money at this stage of the game? That's a good question. You have helped tremendously with this journey. You, you helped me when I was a puddle and I came to your office and I didn't know Mm -hmm. where to begin. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's, and I think a big piece of this that people don't realize, again, because you can't see it, um, the emotion behind, um, I mean, it, we can beat ourselves up pretty darn easily anyway, right? But when you have that moment of realization of, oh my gosh, where do I start? Like, I don't even know where, I mean, you mentioned mail bins, you mentioned, you know, credit cards, student loans, you mentioned a ton of things. Which one do I attack first? Like what's, how do I even go about? And, and I, you know, I th- it's a recovery process. It is a huge recovery process yes. and it is not a short recovery process. Yes. Um, being a victim of identity theft of your own spouse or significant other is one of the most difficult to prove. Exactly. Because what do you mean? It's not like just some random person in the sky, like took your social security number, date of birth and became you. No, this is somebody you actually lived with, slept with, had children with. Um, now you've got to figure out how do you prove to these companies that you didn't consent to opening up these credit cards or taking these loans out? That was a challenge in and of itself. And, um, and it probably took what Kelly, two years, I would say to have the majority of that sort of cleared up in total. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're going on, it's about two and a half to three years now, right? I'm just over a few months over two. two. Okay. So at this point in time, you're now coming out on the other side. And I have to say, um, for, for those of you, I, if we could use your real name, I think you would become famous because this is, um, I think people would just reach out to you by nature because of how, how you went through and came out on the other side. Your strength through this has been so amazing from my perspective, because I remember when it happened and I came home that night and I gave my husband one of the biggest hugs. And I said to him, we may not always agree and we may argue, but at least I still have trust. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, you know, because of confidentiality, couldn't give him details. And I just said, I just experienced probably the worst day in my career for somebody else, you know, and what they were going through. And I said, I have no idea how this is going to come out on the other side or how broken she's going to be. And those were my words because, you know, I just looked at the situation and I tried, I tried so hard in that conversation that we had not to be like, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to work through this. You know, I mean, I remember being like trying to put my hat on of, we're just going to take it step by step by step. We're going to work through this. I can't give you all the answers, but I know that, you know, here's some tools that we're going to use. But thinking after you walked out of there, like, oh my gosh, yes, you know, what, what would I do if I was, and, and at the same time, I, I started questioning like, you know, gosh, uh, it could happen to any married couple, right? Any married couple. Right. So I want to, um, I mean, your family was there for you. Yes. You have become quite the budget queen. 
<laughs> I do. You've you. done some amazing work. Thank uh, you. Most of the companies were willing to work with you for yes. anybody who's listening that is, is going through this and or finds out in the future and is listening to this. Most of the in, um, companies, credit card companies, banks, all of those were willing to work with you and to help you get this cleaned up. It took time and proof, yes. but and some affidavits that had to be signed. Yeah. Uh, but they were willing to work through this with you. Um, but during that actual process, um, you have now completely restarted, basically. Yes, yes. Um, you're on the other side of it. And now you're managing your money very well from my perspective. What got you through that yeah, journey? Great question. Um, definitely my family and your help. Um, but also God it was yeah. really um, what got me through. Um, he comforted me. He provided me um, with a great support of friends um, from my church Um and they just like came around me. Um, there was this feeling of at first I thought I could not leave my parents' house. Mm. And um, then, so the barrier wasn't just financial; it became very emotional. So, and you need you felt like you needed to be inside. Yeah, there I, was there was there, emotional outside barrier as well. Yeah, mm. and I didn't know financially how I would make it without yeah. living in their home. Yeah. And so, um, but then there was this overwhelming feeling of I. I I cannot not work. Mm-hmm. And and I had been on a long-term maternity leave, maternity leave, but I was planning to go back. And this happened in the spring. All of these discoveries happened and I was already planning to go back in the fall before all of this. Um, but I thought I, there that I couldn't. But then God worked out all the details. Mm-hmm. I was able to rent a home for a really reasonable price mm-hmm. from somebody from church. And um, I was just able to um, survive and the boys and I were able to survive and I was able to work and, and provide for us. And, and like you said, all the medical companies, they let me give ridiculously mm-hmm. low monthly mm-hmm. incomes and I would just keep putting away and putting away and try to, and yeah. they were paid off within that first yeah. year. Yeah. And then. Um, That's the amazing work that I was it, referencing. That yeah. was very yeah. kind. Uh, thanks to you. And um, then a lo- a, almost, almost every credit card confirmed it to be fraud. Mm-hmm. And so there, that was helpful too, because it was written off from my name. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to survive. Um, I'm coming back around to living with my parents mm-hmm. now, but we are doing it as, with a goal of, of saving um, for our own home and, mm-hmm. and having a really good down payment for that and doing it wisely instead mm-hmm. of rushing into mm-hmm. something. Um, but it, it really has been um, God, get, God's strength getting me through. And I, I want the message to be heard of, of things to look for and of things to be aware of and the message to be heard of what a great God that I serve. Mm-hmm. And um, just the comfort from his word, like along with that book, I've also been reading this um, devotional, The Seltzer, um, and it's called the seltzer it's, it's um p-s-a-l-t-e-r okay okay and um it's like by um it's just devotional seltzer by crossway publishing and okay. um it's it goes through each psalm and then it has commentary for each one and i can't tell you how many times i've read through the psalms and just felt such comfort like god sees all mm-hmm. and, and i don't have to live on this soapbox of that's not who i am yeah what he made me to be is not who i am god knows mm-hmm. and that was just so comforting to go back to because 
it is really hard. It's really hard to go through this, this journey. It's really hard to make sense of who, who am I when this is what he created? Mm -hmm. He, this is what he made my name to be. Mm -hmm. And this is who I really know I am in God. And Mm -hmm. so, um, that was just really comforting and, and just having that, it takes a lot of strength because, I didn't brush it under the rug. I did mm. seek justice for it. And um, at first I thought I could just seek justice by divorcing. But then the more lawyers we met with, um, the more I learned, you can't, no credit card company cares about a divorce agreement. They, no. they want only, it only matters if it's confirmed as fraud from yeah. um, the justice system. And yeah. so I learned I had to press charges and that was not an easy step to take. Yeah. Not at all. This person, I months prior, weeks prior, days prior thought was a loving husband. Mm -hmm. And now I have to make these steps. And so it is not an easy step to make. And I want that to be heard because I feel for anyone going through this and feel for anyone going through it with um, people that still support the abuser. It's hard. Well, yeah, there's a book, it's called Codependence No More. And it's actually, um, it's geared towards a lot of different things, but it's, um, the, the, when we have codependence type issues, you know, when people don't get out of the situation that they're in, or don't know how to get out of the situation, because that's a big piece of it that, you know, people are, it's easy to judge somebody to look at a situation and say, why don't they just leave? Like I wouldn't tolerate that kind of, you know, treatment or whatever. Sure. From, you know, your chair, from your location, that's an easy statement to make. But when you don't know uh, what else to do or where else to go, yes. I mean, you're kind of stuck, right? So, so the comment that you just made about, you know, for people that are still in the situation and not knowing what to do, here's some things that have helped you get through it and some action steps. It's not easy as an adult to go back and live with parents. I mean, it's not wonderful people, but it's just, Makes you feel yeah. back to not being an independent person. Right. But with the idea, I mean, you're doing it. The first time you did it was for um, just the ability to be safe. And the second time you're doing it is for the ability to take that step forward. Right. So, so sometimes we have to, I mean, you have taken, you've run miles compared <laughs> to where you were. Um, but, you know, everybody has to rest sometimes. And so right now I kind of consider that in your resting phase, yeah. if you want to call that, so that then, you know, you have the ability to just, you know, hyper save and yeah. get into a house that you can afford, that um, you can be proud of, and that you can take that next step forward in, right. in your life. So it's not, um, you know, it's not, I don't want people to think like that's not an option. Sometimes it really, it it really sometimes is and should be. Um, You you need a safe place sometimes in order to take that step forward. Um, I spent a great deal of time my childhood with my grandparents and I feel so lucky to have had that time with them. I mean, basically lived with them, you know, and, feel so fortunate that I had that special relationship that a lot of my cousins don't have right? because they didn't live with them. They didn't, they weren't right there under the same roof. And as an adult, the older I got, and of course the older my grandparents got, the more I valued that relationship yes. even more. And now that my grandparents are gone, I really value that relationship that I had at a very young age. So you can also look at it yes. from that perspective yes, so of how your kids are going to walk away from this, getting to know their grandparents yes. in a way that 
they would only know for weekend warriors or, you know, overnighters or something, but they're actually going to know their, no, no, their grandparents, right? And your grandparents are going to no, no, your children even more and really get to see them blossom. I want to shift gears for just a moment and say, um, you know, if there's any, anything that you could look at from a standpoint of, um, being able to say who, I mean, you, you've made some comments that your parents were there for you and that, um, certainly from a financial perspective, I gave you some direction. Yes. Were there other influences that have helped you sort of replant that vineyard? Yes. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, I was introduced through a mom's program during that maternity leave to Rachel Cruz. She's mm-hmm. like, does mm-hmm. a YouTube show and, and she's written a book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much from her little videos and things. And so I was already like, feeling spurred on before this all crashed, mm-hmm. like, like we can do this and, you know, all these, um, budget ideas. And so I've, I continued to like, listen to her, um, podcast and listen to watch her videos. And mm-hmm. uh, so I know that's kind of silly because I don't Not know her personally, yeah. but she's really helped in the journey. And I would right. encourage people to also, um, listen into her. And I feel like my mom, throughout life she's like in my head you know like she was so good she was very thrifty and so growing up it was I'm sorry like as I was entering adulthood like Mm -hmm. she was still in there you know and so she's made a big influence um before I even like again fully realized how much I wanted to be like her financially Mm -hmm. um so the, I think those, those would be the, the most yeah, impactful. Yes. If if you could look at the situation now, um, and I do talk about replanting the vineyard, and I, I talk about it in a positive way, right? Because I, I mentioned earlier that your roots were basically ripped out, right? Yeah. Is there things that you're doing uh, or that you want to do that would replant that vineyard at this point in time? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I like going forward, I just, I do want to raise my, my children to, to be financially wise, um, and just good godly people. Mm -hmm. And so that's my biggest goal going forward is to, to be a good mom to them and to, um, help them to not have as many scars as they could because of what they've gone through. And, um, in the future, I would love if God would use me, I'm so thankful for this opportunity, but if he would use me in addition to this, in some way to help women or men um, that have gone through this, I, that is a dream of mine in the future. I We need yeah. to make that happen because I think it is a gift. I, I mean, it's taken you, you know, two years to kind of come out on the other side and sharing this journey right now, I think is hugely impactful for people listening. Um, and certainly, you know, being able to, to it, w- it would have been great if, if when you first found yes. this, started this journey, if you could have gone to somebody and said, I mean, you had people helping you, but nobody truly understood the emotion behind it. Like I could help you financially. Your parents could help you like, you know, be, have your back and help you deal with the kids as you're going through all of this stuff. But nobody actually truly like understood. We haven't been through it. Right. So we can sympathize with you, but there was no way for us to empathize with you. right? Right. Because we hadn't been through it. So if you had that resource that yes. you could have gone to, then that would have been an ideal candidate yes. to reach out to, to say, I just need somebody to understand Yes, and just, yes. you know, share this. It's all, it was almost like a grieving journey that you yes. went on, right? Like all the, the 
peaks and troughs that you went through, you lost, you did lose something. You lost, you lost a relationship, you lost a home, you lost, you know, you basically, you know, as they say, hit rock bottom and lost your own morale um, and had to start over and grieve through that process. And again, nobody knows what it's like unless they've gone through that. So, so now you're on the other side. I love to ask my two final questions. What is your definition of success? Um, That's a great question. I I really um, think is it's being a godly woman throughout whatever life brings me. Mm -hmm. So like you, people are going to have really tough times. I had really tough times. I've had really wonderful times in life, but just being a godly woman, despite circumstances is what I want to look back on when I'm 80, 90 years old, mm-hmm. if God allows me, but look back, that is what matters. You know, mm-hmm. that I'm, I am wise with, with money and why, and you know, mm-hmm. use, but overall, sorry, I had it all written. <laughs> no, I'm stumbling. But it's all good. <laughs> um, but I do, yeah, just being content with who I am, who's got, who God has made me to be, and just being a godly woman yeah. in the church. Well, that's a wonderful finances. definition of success. <laughs> okay, I love it. And then my final question is what we call our Nourish Your Vines section of the podcast, where we take just a few minutes for our guests to provide the number one or maybe two financial lesson that they've learned in their lives to pass on to the listeners. That's great. I think the number one would be if you're in a, in a relationship, both be involved in to some capacity with the finances, at least both have passwords to things and mm-hmm. um, just build that trust and um, that comfort that, you know, they, they know you guys are sharing the same goals. Mm-hmm. I think that is so important um, and then for men or women who have gone through financial abuse uh, or financial infidelity, I just want to encourage you. Um, it's not an easy journey. We've, you know, already said this, but um, just know that there there is help out there. Know that there are people that care. And I, I was so blessed to have family and to have family that knew you and um, you helped me so much. But I know there are people that might not have the same support mm-hmm. and um, so just if there's some way you can reach out or. Um, yeah, there's a lot of organizations out there that will do pro bono yeah. work around stuff like this, too. NAPA has a pro bono section. FBA has a pro bono section. So there's organizations, financial planning, planner, planners belong to these organizations that. And I think XYPN, um, XY Planning Network also has a pro bono section for people that don't have the financial wherewithal to reach out and pay, but need some guidance. Um, And then of course the uh, FTP website has some good resources on if you've been a victim of identity theft that you can go to all of those would be if they're pro bono, if they're, you know, the website, they're free of charge. So there, but people don't know that those resources exist, right? Right. They just, they're like, I don't know what to do at all. And they, and they often freeze, like they become frozen. Yes their own um paralyzed. Uh, well paralyzed i think is a great a great term because you're dealing with not just one situation but in your case you were dealing with multiple situations yes. and and um i still think at some point in time you should write a book yeah. about, <laughs> about all of the webs i i told kelly at one point in time like this is an lmn movie like <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> i'm pretty sure she would get paid for, for the story if she wrote it 
Are there any other suggestions that you have or anything that you want to make sure that people are listening to this podcast? know? Um, trust your gut. Yeah. Yeah. A um, couple ideas that I just want to share with people just to wrap this podcast up. Uh, we use in our household a password organizer called LastPass. Uh, both Brent and I have full access to each other's passwords, which is good if there were ever an issue of disability or, God forbid, death as well. You know, we'd be able to continue to get into those websites. Um, so LastPass is an online password manager that requires a very complex password. So it's not likely that somebody's going to get into it, but it stores all of the websites and the passwords and usernames that um, that you each have. So that, that would help a situation. Yes. And then I know I said it and I know I've said it before, but I will say once a year, go in oh, yes. and pull your Sorry. credit report. No, yes. I think that is so very important for everybody to do at least once a year and critical for, um, you know, your own safety, because it might not be, you know, somebody within your household, like it was with you, it could be somebody outside your household. Right. And the sooner you find that, the easier it is to file a claim, get it corrected. Um, Kelly, I'm guessing your credit score at this point in time is something you're celebrating as well. It's better. Yeah. yeah. yeah I still <laughs> look forward to it growing, but it's much better yeah, than it was. Yeah. Yes. Well, I want to say thank you so much for being a guest today, for sharing your journey with the rest of the world and getting this story out there so that people know those things that they should be looking for and questioning. Um, we don't want people to become paranoid individuals, exactly. but we do want everybody to um, you know what's going on in their own financial lives so that you don't ever have to reach out to me and say, who was quote unquote Kelly? Because I could really use her right now. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing the gifts that God does give you um, and how you're going to use this in, in the next phase. But thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for helping the journey. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.